Welcome to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. I'm Josh Elledge, founder and CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. We turn entrepreneurs into media celebrities, grow their authority, and help them build partnerships with top influencers. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around to the end of the show, where I'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspiration podcasts on the planet in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. And with us right now, we've got Justin Wells. Justin, you are the CEO of Interlaced.io. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Josh. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. And so Interlaced.io provides IT solutions for people that use a lot of Apple products. Is that right? Correct. So we are an Apple-focused managed service provider. That doesn't mean we're Apple only. Mm -hmm. I think what makes us unique in the Apple landscape is as you think about what a company needs from an IT provider, there's a device layer, there's a cloud layer, an application layer, a services layer, uh, security and compliance layers. So what we do really well is we thread a needle across all of those layers, specifically tailored to folks who use Apple devices. Now, all of our capabilities can also be used for PC, but that Apple-first approach ensures that companies who rely on Apple technology have a really good uh, user experience yeah. uh, w- w- with their devices. Yeah. Um, you know, before we get into more of that and like how you built that company, we kind of start with your background. So you and I both discovered we're each Navy vets. You were yeah. you attended the Naval Academy and you were uh, a flight instructor. Yeah. It was a really, really good experience. Um, you know, I grew up in rural Indiana um, huh. and, and uh, you know, the Naval Academy and the Navy afforded me to see the world meet really interesting people, gain a lot of skills. Um, mm-hmm. So, was, you know, I, I spent from age 18 to age 33 in the Navy. And um, it was an experience I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade for anything. I'd do, do it again in a heartbeat. When you were straight out of the academy, what was your first, to, uh, what was your first job or your first uh, mm-hmm. duty station? Yeah. So I went through a flight training pipeline. So mm-hmm. uh, reported to Pensacola, Florida, Corpus Christi, Texas, back to Pensacola, Florida, Jacksonville, Florida. And then ultimately, I spent the, the bulk of my career in San Diego. Mm. Um, so were you, did, were you out flying missions yourself or did you just kind of stay more in the instruction? Yeah. So uh, my first uh, four years out of flight school, I was in an uh, anti-submarine squadron, um, wow. which it trains ultimately for like a World War III scenario, a large, large Navy battles, chasing submarines, protecting the aircraft carrier from submarines. Um, and there's not a lot of that going on. And so we, we got farmed out to do uh, other missions. So we did the counter piracy mission uh, in the Somali Basin. We did a, a, a counter terrorism uh, mission in the Arabian Gulf. We did a counter narcotics mission in, in South America. So got to do really fun and interesting things that we didn't train for. And we just yeah. got to, 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 you know, apply our skills in a different way. And maybe you can or can't say, but did you ever get to unload any weapons? So we did a lot of um, like interdictions with with counter piracy. Yeah, um, those usually resulted in like warning shots. Um, yeah, so right, yeah. fire shot over their bow. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen the movie Greyhound? I have not. I'm looking yeah, so, forward to it. <laughs> yeah. So so uh, so Tom Hanks and uh, I think they released it directly to. 
Apple or one mm-hmm. of the streaming services. So yeah, so he's World War II and German U-boats are, you know, attacking the fleet and it's basically, you know, trying to anti-submarine warfare during mm-hmm. World War II. So, and it, um, it, it uh, did a good job, you know, just kind of sharing the tension of like mm-hmm. the sneaky U-boats, man. They were tough. Yeah, yeah it's, it hasn't, you know, it's still, it's still a difficult problem, right? There's a lot of water it's really noisy, uh, um, but with the technology's come a long way. Mm-hmm. So, uh, out of the uh, out of the Navy, then um, you work for Intuit, uh, and then eventually you launch um, you, you launched Interlace. What was kind of the opportunity that you saw, or like, how did you launch this? Um, how did you know that this was going to work? Yeah, so step, stepping back a little bit, out of the Navy, I actually had a startup. Um, run. Uh, some some colleagues from business school and I started a company um, attempting to deliver food in the airport. Um, and so it was a great learning experience. We, you know, we gave it, gave it the old, the old go. Uh, yeah. We're out raising money, pitching angels and, um, and, you know, doing some, some small scale pilot programs and things like that. Ultimately, while we lost a contract at the San Diego airport without a foothold, we weren't able to, to take it any further. But, you know, that, that experience of, Starting a company, doing all the business development, doing all the product development, um, you know, doing doing pilot programs and MVPs was was really um, really really useful. Uh, that ultimately led to my job at Intuit. Um, so I worked worked there for about two and a half years, um, mm-hmm. and then um, came into Interlace. And so Interlace is actually an eleven year old company. Um, we operate like a startup. We have the startup kind of look and feel. We have the um, kind of the the passion of a startup um, and the challenge for us and, and and you know the the recruitment process for me was about how do you come into an 11 year old company for that entrepreneurial startup growth um, do new things um, so for me it was really exciting because the the product and service was was really really mature um, and the the you know, blue sky opportunities, the challenges, how do you, how do you pick a strategy? How do you try all kinds of new things and then stay really focused about um, growing the company responsibly? How do you grow an IT company? Um, I, I, my experience with IT companies is they spend a lot of time. It seems like my, uh, you know, uh, rest in peace, my uh, DM uh, on, on LinkedIn, because I get hit up a lot by IT, you know, uh, support companies, and they're usually overseas, and and it's such they don't target very well. Uh, and uh, I guess how do you compete with noise in the marketplace? Yeah. Um, where do you? Because I know you have a very successful company very quickly. Um, what have you done to grow your company so fast? Yeah, so the company started two two brothers were servicing. Um, you know, they had worked at the Apple store and then they were serving wealthy individuals in their homes, setting up networks, you know, hooking together Macs, like, and, and, you know, making, making like a really good user experience in the home. They then found that like that same technology, the same approach would work for, for businesses, um, and then got into the B2B market. So over, you know, a few years, they were able to scale the company that way. Um, so I think the company's gone through a few a few peaks and valleys, right? So the the shift from uh, consumer focus to B two B focus that was a 
that was a, a pivot point and oh, some yeah. growth. But over time, that starts to slow down. Um, they then had a you know a teammate who relocated to San Francisco and they got a foothold in the San Francisco market. So there's another kind of phase of growth. Um, same thing in Orange County. And so the, the company's been through you know three or four of these, these stair step you know inflection points. Um, and so now we're at this point where uh, we have a, a very mature platform. We have a very unique service offering kind of in the IT landscape. Uh, if you think about just the Apple focus, if you think about mm-hmm. um, the cloud, like maturity of our cloud services, um, if you think about some of the the things we've done recently from a pivot, like a pivot is going deeper into security. Um, so all of those, all of those things um, have positioned us really, really well for growth. And over the 10 years, we've been able to take data points from all of our clients, hundreds of clients, uh, about things like, um, you know, what what do they need specific to their market? So a l- large segment of our clients are design and creative agencies. So what kind of technology, what kind of solutions, what kind of services do they need to, to have their workforce be really uh, well? We also put a business focus on everything we do. So we, we look at what is their business strategy? Who are their clients? What are the requirements that the clients are going to put on them? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we make it really easy for them to, to solve those clients. So they may not be going after the Fortune 500 clients yet, but we'll work to have their technology be supportive. So when that deal comes across their desk, they can jump on it. They don't have to say no because they don't meet compliance or security standards. So we, everything we do is preparing our clients for growth. Um, and so the things that we are thinking about now to achieve that kind of next level of growth are things like packages that can be deployed to what we call one-to-many partners. So if you think of, you know, we, we're out forming partnerships. The way you typically grow an IT company is one relationship at a time, one client at a time. And, and we are still doing that and we'll never stop doing that because it's, it's, you know, what we love to do. We love the client relationships, but there's another way, you know, where you can make one relationship and serve many clients. And so those are things like VC firms, private equity firms, trade associations. Um, and so we're forming those relationships, uh, because the package and the package and the security offering are, are mature. And they're just ready to, to deploy. And so the, that's the kind of limiter to growth is those relationships. And so we're thinking through how to solve problems for at a different business level, maybe not just at that company level, but at a portfolio level. Um, and so those those things, um, I think, are, are the way we're thinking about accelerating our growth. Yeah. Did I answer your question? Uh, yeah. So, and you know, my other question then was, how does a company know that they're ready to outsource their IT support. And, you know, I always think of like, well, the only people that really need IT services are going to be, you know, they've got like a hundred desktops and a big Mm -hmm. complicated network and a big office situation. Um, So therefore, that's just not going to apply to someone like me that's much more virtual and distributed. Uh, And and I don't have that number of employees. My employees are all virtual, but yet you know, we have technical problems all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So a few things. One, we find there's a sweet spot between about 10 to 15 employees to about 200 employees where at 10 to 15, the complexity of the organization, um, the interactions between the customers, the types of business systems you have in place, 
you really start to need some formal IT systems. Hmm. You might not need a full-time employee, but you need, you know, you need someone who knows what they're doing to go in there that's dedicated. That's their role. That's their job. Up to that point, you get by the founder. Um, you know, the founder puts together all the systems. The team has cobbled together systems over time. Um, and it becomes limiting in the sense of the data doesn't flow correctly. It's really difficult to onboard new employees. Like even when you in, onboard a new employee, it could take four to eight hours for the founder, for the, mm-hmm. you know, whoever, whoever's managing the HR to onboard that employee. Yeah. And then that employee gets in their job and, and over the next three, four months, they're finding that they don't have access to what they need. They need to ask for access. They, they find there's another, there's another drive. They find there's another Slack channel. They find there's another thing. And so we, we, we standardize all of that out of the gate. Um, but to answer your question, that there's that sweet spot between 10 to 15 employees and 200 where you, you know, you maybe can't afford to have a full-time IT manager, yeah, right? But you can't afford not to um, because even your just employees like having will like suffer. A, yeah. help, a help desk or something mm-hmm. like that, where someone can say, you know, look, one of our team members keeps having this issue with X. Yep. I don't want to answer those questions. That stresses me out beyond both you know, background yeah. in web development and, you know, all things tech, mm-hmm. but I do not like solving those issues. Yes. Yeah. It, it's, it's scalable up to a point, right? Like yeah. you make it work once you get five, 10, 15 employees, you either have to tell your employees no, or you have to go out and find, find a, a either a consultant or an outsourced IT provider. Um, you know, at the point you hire someone, the choice that companies often face as well is, do I hire somebody that's really tactical, who's going to do all of those things, who's going to answer those questions, who's going to be the internal help desk? Or do I need to hire somebody more strategic, who's going to help me plan, who's going to organize our systems for the next, you know, big business event, whether it's, we're going to open a new office, we're going to deploy new systems, we're going to, we're going to try to, um, you know, structure the company so that we can be acquired. Um, all of those things take a very strategic approach and, and you need somebody in your corner who understands the IT landscape uh, and the systems to be able to, to be able to action that. And so um, what you get with a outsourced consultant is usually you can get a blend of those things, right? Like that's, that's the service we, we position with our clients is we're going to be there tactically. You have an expert to call whenever you need, but we're also going to help you plan for what's next in your business, um, we're going to make your system supportive of your business strategies. And whether that's, yeah. hey, my business model is really dependent on technology. Like I have a fleet of 100 iPads that go out and whether it's door-to-door sales or delivery mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, you know, warehouse staff, um, behavioral health right now, like is relying heavily on, on iPads. So if my, if my business model, if, if, if that technology is core to my business model, you really want to make sure that those systems work well, right? Yeah. And so um, there's there's that blend that you don't always get with an internal hire. It's a very special person who can think strategically and do all the day-to-day tactical stuff. And so, um, you know, outsourcing is, is, is a great solve for that. Do you find that with an Apple-centric um, or, or, you know, kind of a, a, a you know, a, a lot of uh, affiliation with Apple brand, do you tend to um, gravitate towards certain industries. I think, you know, the old stereotype would have been, well, you're obviously working with a lot of creative agencies. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, so 
you know, a, a core market of ours, core segment is this, the creative design, branding, um, PR, folks who are doing a lot of graphic design, um, you know, video production, things like that. Um, and that'll always be a core market. However, we're seeing the next like generation, like companies that are um, coming up like startups, a lot of startups are um, Apple first. They're also cloud first, which is, which is really interesting because they're able to get by for a while with, you know, internal, you know, internal uh, folks acting as IT. Um, but at the, the point of, com- they reach some, some complexity, you end up with an engineer who's doing the bulk of the work, right? Like you have your highly paid, um, highly skilled uh, developer um, spending 10, 20, 30% of their time. And it scales as the company grows until it's a point where it's, it's no longer tenable. But yeah, the, the, the new, the next generation that come online, like if you can, if you go to a college, if you go to a high school, everyone's walking around with Apple products. Um, and so we view that as kind of a tailwind to the industry. It's going to continue to get more and more prevalent. Um, and there's even some, some really good case studies like IBM, for example, um, the, the majority of their workforce is on Apple devices. And so even a company that, you know, had been a competitor in the past, their workforce is shifting, um, to, to the Apple uh, ecosystem. Yeah. Uh, this is very, very cool. And, and I think, you know, again, I, you know, I'm thinking about our own organization right now when someone has a technical problem, I'm like, I don't know, Google it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's, that's really about all I can do or say, you know, if they've got, you know, if they're responsible for technical things, but yet, you know, they keep having this issue and it impacts their ability to work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that impacts their, you know, our relationship with our client, our customer, you know, if, if we yeah. have an issue like that. And, um, huh, that's really interesting. Well, I, it, you know, it, it looks like uh, IT support or tech support might be something that's a little bit closer in my future than, than I had thought about now that yeah, I we should, think about what an IT company can do. We should talk. We can, we can help you find the right, you know, if it's not us, we'll help you find the right people. I love that. Okay. So, Justin Wells, your website is interlaced dot io and if someone's been listening to our conversation goes all right i like this uh where do they go from aside from just going to the website what would you recommend they do yeah so they can call us the numbers on the website uh you can reach out to business at interlace.io on the website there's a uh you know a chat script so they'll they'll connect uh, one of our people will be chatting with you live um and we'll have a, a quick conversation and same same commitment like We'll learn a little bit about your business. We'll tell you what we do. And if we're not the right fit, we'll help you find somebody who is. I love it. All right, Justin Wells, again, interlaced.io. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Josh. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now, if you've got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. Now, if you do that, tag us with the hashtag UpMyInfluence. Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. Now, what do you win? Well, we're going to promote you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans 
totally free. Now, can you also hook us up? Now, in your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 minutes a day. Now, my name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Now, thanks for listening, and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Thank you.